As we were singing the last uh, of that song, the last verses of Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Um, Hosanna literally means Lord save. And if ever there was a time in our city and in our country where we need Lord save, it would be now. So we talk about, Jesus talked about after the Sermon on the Mount and sharing a lot of information with the people that were gathered there, then he goes into everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who builds his house on the rock. And it it promises, it doesn't say maybe will the storms come. I don't know if the wind blew at your house yesterday or not. The wind blew at my house. I don't know last week, you know, when it affected some of the trees and that kind of thing. Um, Storms come. The winds blow. The Bible says it will slam against that house. But the house doesn't fall because it's founded on the rock. There's also a, a scripture in a at a well-known university here in Texas, on the side of a building, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They forgot the first part of that. Um, and, and it basically, Jesus was saying in John, I think, 8.32, if you hear my words and do them, you shall know the truth, and the truth will, will make you free. In preparing for this sermon, you know, you spend a lot of time in prayer. This is not something that you just get up on Sunday morning and go, well, what do I feel like saying? You know, I mean, it's, it's like God, what, I mean, it's a very serious thing of, Lord, what do you want said? And, and what, you know, what do you want to happen with your people? And earlier in the week, as I was, I was spending time in prayer and scripture and all that kind of stuff, and not a great deal was coming, which is not a very comforting feeling. Because you kind of want point A, but you know, I'm kind of an ABC person, you know, you know, if I could have it in bullet points, that would be great, um, all that kind of thing. And it was kind of like nothing. And then I sort of understood Thursday night, because it, uh, while in some ways it would have been similar, in some ways it would have been different. So my question for us all today is, where do you go when everything shakes? Hebrews talks about how uh, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I don't think that refers just to Southern California. I think it affects all of us at different times in our lives. And we all go through periods of life where life is wonderful. And, you know, those are blessing. Those are blessed times. There are also times that are difficult. And that's just the reality of life. It's not focusing on the negative or just focusing on the good. It's just the reality of what we what we have to deal with. So what do we do when everything shakes? And the simple answer is we run to God. And I guess what I would add to that is hopefully we don't have to run very far, not meaning that he took a walk, but that maybe did we take a walk, that we run to God. Scripture talks about in Psalm 91 how how we literally are in his shadow. If 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 you're in someone's shadow, you're pretty close. I don't know how many of you have had the or remember when you're with a young child and they figure out they have a shadow. You know, oh, that's kind of a fun experience. And, and when they are so close, you're thinking, will I be able to take one step without them? You know, I mean, how close does this have to be once they're outside of the womb? Um, and then sometimes it's quite a bit. We run to God. When everything else around us is uncertain, we run to Him. 
I was talking with Lauren earlier in the week about, you know, feeling like I wanted to talk some about some of the stuff in Hebrews, which is, we'll talk about in a minute, and, and she mentioned a, a passage in Hebrews, the second chapter, when it talks about there are so many things we don't know, but this we know, and it's Jesus Christ. And so it is in these type of times when things are uncertain or where we're unsure that we look to him, that we look to him. There are things that happen that we will never understand. Um, I have known that personally. We know it as a congregation. We know it in this world. But we know that in him there is forgiveness. And in him there is redemption. And in him there is reconciliation. It is all in him. So when everything is scattered and everything feels unsure... The church of Jesus Christ stands. And we don't stand out of spiritual pride or any type of arrogance, but we stand in prayer. And we stand in forgiveness and we stand in repentance. We stand in reconciliation. The church has been going through a lot of change, and I know that's, uh, my spiritual gift is kind of stating the obvious, you know. I mean, and all of you that went to Sunday school, you, you know, you kind of, uh, things are different, right? When the week when Doug was gone last week and um, Trivium Academy is setting up their classrooms and that kind of thing, and that needs to happen, school will start August 17th, and, um, but a truck came on Wednesday, a big truck. And then a big truck came on Thursday, you know, and there's stuff in it. You know, it wasn't just a truck driving by, you know. You're probably seeing some of that stuff, you know, in your classrooms. And then a truck came on Friday. And Friday as I was coming in the building, I was just like, oh, Lord. It was kind of like, Lord, save, you know, Hosanna. That wasn't exactly my thought. My thought was, where are we going to put all this stuff? Uh, but it's, it's stuff that is needed. And kind of a word about that with Trivium. While they are not a part of our ministry, They're in our rooms, at least to start with. And oh my goodness, the opportunity to pray. And the responsibility to pray. For kids and families that we have never seen, 400 children, parents, situations that we have no clue about, but God does. So I just urge you as you meet in Sunday school groups and in the halls, as you see things that are a little bit different than how they normally are here, we pray. We pray for them. That's our job. Once again, a sniper has put Dallas in a historical situation. And all eyes are on Dallas, on how we will respond. And may we respond in a way that honors God. May we respond in a way that brings healing and restoration. In recognition of things that have gone on that were not right. I know you as I... um, witnessed many things on TV and things you really don't want to see... Things that um, I hope we all, just as, as images began to show, started to pray for those situations. It was my, my privilege one time to travel on a mission trip to uh, Africa, to South Africa and Zimbabwe. And um, I was in Africa at the time of the apartheid vote. 
Um, obviously, many years ago, before kids. My life is kind of in before kids and after kids. I don't know how the rest of you are, but uh, before kids, we were in Africa, and uh, I visited townships where the only water available was like what you would have in your yard for a garden hose for like 200 people in a township. I saw the homes, yeah, if you could call them that. The vote was very necessary, and yet every church we worshipped in was fully integrated because all of God's children have the opportunity to worship Him. We get to choose, and some people choose not to, but in every church where we worshiped, fully integrated, fully praying for their country, fully praying for restoration and peace. We also traveled to Zimbabwe to visit friends there that were missionaries. And um, I say all this to say that we need to pray for those that stand in the gap for us in society. We need to pray for those, the policemen and the firemen and the guys that run to the battle when somebody's firing at them. We need to pray for them. In Zimbabwe, certainly they had policemen, but um, they didn't have good cars. And so they had bicycles, and it's not like the cool kind of bicycles that, you know, you see it was kind of like bicycles like from the 1950s. I'm not kidding. And so if you needed the police, they weren't going to get there fast. I've, I've visited countries where you felt like there was no police presence at all, and it's not a very safe feeling. Anywhere on earth, it's not a safe feeling. And yet the Spirit of God was moving mightily in Zimbabwe. Mightily in Zimbabwe in that land. Witnesses on the scene said that police officers ran, they ran to where shots were being fired. I saw a picture this morning of an officer shielding someone on the ground with his body. There was a kid on the ground and the, and the policeman was over them protecting them with his body. So there's good and there's bad and then there's evil. And I think we have to be clear about how to pray and praying for protection that even, even this morning there was another incident of a threat against a police station. And so pray, praying for those that protect us, praying for those that watch over us, praying for those that make almost zero money com compared to the risk they put themselves in, um, I think is a very critical thing. I get it that not every time we see a fire truck or, a, you know, a police car that they're going to something, you know, massive. We don't always know, but somebody probably needs help. I'm sorry this is going to involve stories of my, for my, of my children, so I apologize ahead of time. Uh, they are both present in the room. Um, when Lauren was about... Oh, maybe two, we saw a fire truck at a, at a donut shop. Now, I'm sure they were probably there just to check the water or something. You know, I'm sure they weren't buying donuts, you know. Um, but it's kind of like when you see your teacher at the grocery store and you're kind of like, you eat food, you know. I mean, and, and so Lauren was just like, why, you know. And we explained they cook meals at their, you know, and they maybe wanted donuts. And so for a couple of years after that, you know, fire trucks would go past you just blazing lights, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Lauren would just say from the back, from the car seat, eh, they're just going to get donuts. And we, and we were just kind of like, well... Um, 
And that was shared with a woman that was the secretary to the fire department of Carrollton, the city of Carrollton, and she commented, she laughed and laughed, and she just said, well, they have pretty healthy egos. They'll be fine. Um, <laughs> grateful for people that take care of us. When Lauren was three and a half, we went on a mission trip to Jamaica. Uh, I was nine weeks pregnant with Robert. So Robert maintains he was on that mission trip. Uh, he maintains he was the youngest in the family to ever go on a mission trip. Um, not that there's competition there, you know. I don't want you to think. I was nine and a half weeks pregnant and told uh, my doctor, Ted Fogwell, and he was so, he, he looked at me like, you are truly crazy. He did not say that. Um, he goes on mission trips too, but he even, I had to have a sonogram to make sure it was a viable pregnancy. I think he knew it was more of a third world country than I did. We were going to visit Christ for the Nations, their Bible school, and it was for students in the Caribbean. Um, all of them were incredibly poor. And most of them had not ever had three meals a day until they came to Christ for the Nations in Jamaica, Montego Bay. Uh, came from incredibly poor situations around the Caribbean. And the privilege that we had was we were there with a woman who was speaking, and I don't remember her name, but I remember how God moved through her ministry. And she brought with her the first version of the Gospel of John. Um, she brought with her um, in, in Jamaican dialect. It's not quite English, you know, but, but you could understand some of the words, but not all of it. And she began to read it. And the group that was with us, the students there, I mean, it was just like the room exploded as they could hear for the first time in their own language the Gospel of John. It was amazing. And she told the story about the stories that, that affected Jamaica. And she spoke of the ships that came to their island and took people away. And she spoke of situations where literally families would be chased, that they would run up into the, um, up into, it wasn't quite the forest, but it was kind of like the bush. It was just very dense vegetation trying to flee from people that were trying to enslave them and take them to another land and make them, make them work for them. And she had anger in her voice as she said it. I don't blame her. And she commented, she commented about Christopher Columbus and the ships that would come and how they took people and took families and separated people. She was an amazing woman of God, spirit-filled. Um, but I felt such a heaviness on just what happened. And for the first time, I think, I really connected in a way of what happened in history that was so horrific for people. I can't imagine living my life and having my kids and all that kind of stuff and somebody comes and tries to take us away to do something we don't want to do. And I mentioned in that meeting to the leader of Christ for the Nations, I mentioned, I said, we need, we need to, in this service, we need to repent. We, we need to just say. Not that saying that changes, you know, centuries of history, but to begin the process of that was wrong. That should never have happened. And we are so sorry. And we did say that. And it was just the beginning. 
in services when she spoke, she was amazing. It's the only time I've been in services, and I promise you I've been in one, more than one charismatic service, where just as she was talking, people would start crying. I mean, it's like inner healing was breaking out in places, and deliverance was breaking out. And she wasn't like, you know, going over and praying with somebody or whatever. God was just moving in the crowd. Most of the students there did not know who their father was. And most of the students there didn't know about a last name. And this was, you know, 21 years ago. And it was amazing how God moved. It was amazing how he moved. And I say all that to say, not to try to heap on blame or guilt or whatever, but for us to also just not walk in denial. And that that it's a very critical time in the history of our city that we truly stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters, for the police department, for the people that this day are protecting us, and for those that burn with anger because of injustices. Obviously, having opinions and all of that is fine when someone acts in a violent way taking other lives. Obviously, that is not. But I have not walked where many people have had to walk, my African-American brothers and sisters. I have not had to walk that road. And I don't say that flippantly, but just in a way that is recognizing. I I never, when my son started driving, I didn't have to think, would he be stopped multiple times because of the color of his skin? And so I say that not to belabor a point, but just to say, for the city of Dallas, for us right now, it's so critical to be in a spirit of, Lord, show us what we need to do here. Show us how to pray. Show us how to repent. Show us how to be a part of reconciliation. Realizing there's good and bad. There's evil. There's also people that are, that are mentally ill. And sometimes horrific things happen. It's our job, I think, to surround in prayer the people that protect us. It's our job to surround in prayer the people that are grieving this day. It's our job to surround in prayer our nation. And while I'm on this easy subject to talk about, um, I think I would just say that as a little joke. Um, I don't think this is about guns. I mean, I know guns. I mean, I get all that. Um, I don't own a gun. Uh, My brother's hunted. My father hunted. Um, I don't think it's about guns. I think it's about hatred and evil. And um, while I don't own a gun, my father took his own life with a gun. I mean, so that's not usually my favorite thing to, to talk about. But I don't, think that, I don't think that's the root issue at all. It's interesting to me that when sometimes things happen in this world, people, uh, you know, everybody starts talking, which is fine. And sometimes uh, actors and actresses or sports figures or whatever start talking. And sometimes you want to say, you know, you're really good at this, but may, you know, maybe that doesn't make you an authority on everything. But there is a man that made a comment about, you know, all guns need to go away, which makes me very comfortable because, you know, the bad guys are not going to turn in their guns, right? You know, I mean, come on, you know, really? And, he, and this man has made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars starring in movies where he uses guns. I mean, the kind he wants everybody to give up. 
you know, and it's kind of like, okay, you got wealthy on the born identity and all of that, you know, and I went to those movies and all that kind of stuff. They didn't throw frisbees at each other, you know, right? I mean, they, you, you know, it's kind of like, okay, dude, we appreciate your insight. Uh, maybe not. This is a time for leadership. And usually leadership is born in difficult situations or you see good leadership. Usually it's not when everything's wonderful and everything's great. You don't need leadership then, right? Leadership comes to light when people, when situations are difficult. This church has been blessed with strong lay leadership across the years. And y'all don't get it how not all churches have that at all. And so there is a blessing for strong lay leadership. I'm incredibly grateful for strong clergy leadership at this time. And I'm not talking about me. I'm very grateful for a senior pastor who uh, walked into, frankly, a mess and has been able to show leadership. And that's not easy, and change is not easy, and right now we're in the middle of change. And in light of what happened on Thursday night, it seems kind of ridiculous to talk about you know, school desks being in your classrooms, but I know that's not the easiest thing. On the, on the scale of greatness, though, it's probably not the most significant thing either. The point is we press on, and we don't walk in denial. I think those that walk in denial about situations, it very easily can turn into deception, and you form your own reality. What, have, what has happened has happened, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the city or whatever. And since I'm on thin ice, <clears throat> I will talk about CCA for a second. Now, I was on the original school board. I know you've heard that. I know y'all are going, blah, blah, blah. She's going to talk about that again. But I was on the original school board. I taught there for 10 years. My kids graduated from there. I love the school. And I love the people that work at the school. And I don't know what's going to happen there. But sometimes leadership, sometimes you have to face difficult, difficult decisions. And there are seasons to everything. Our lives, this church, Trivium Academy is beginning a brand new season. Betty Bruce is having to face a season of illness and therapy she's not looking forward to. But her comment to me last night from her hospital bed was, let's just get on with it. So I think it's just critical that we pray. I think it's the, the most important thing we can do. Leadership usually shows up in the darkest days. Police Chief Brown of the Dallas Police Department, remarkable man, you know, nobody saw coming what happened Thursday night. It's not like I'm sure he had note cards prepared or whatever, although obviously police have to think about those things. But the remarkable leadership of that man and calling a city together. So in this, in this somber time for us, and frankly I didn't see how I could possibly talk about today something else besides what happened. Thursday night. In this difficult day, we run to God. 
And the church of Jesus Christ stands in the midst of chaos. The church of Jesus Christ stands when things are difficult. When everything is shaking all about us, we stand. And that is the heritage of this church. You know, you go, you go back in history and having to prepare documents for attorneys and things that are going on right now with CCA, you know, having to go very back to the very days of when the church was born, you know, life was not easy. It's not always easy. But God has been faithful. And we call on him now to be faithful. We call on him now to help us to know what to do. We call on him now to move in our midst what a remarkable time. But it's a time of responsibility. Hebrews 11 is a very famous chapter. The kids at CCA always memorized it, at least when my kids were there. And it was in their fifth grade year, so you heard it all year long as they were memorizing, which, of course, was a joy. I'm being sarcastic, sorry. But it was just, you know, I mean, you'd just hear it and hear it and hear it, and, you know, and all the people and all the stuff. And the passage is very famous about, you know, all the things that went right. And then you get to the end, and it talks about what went wrong. And my personal conviction is, is that it takes more faith when things are going poorly, when things are difficult, than it is when everybody's doing a high five, you know? So we trust God. And then it goes on to talk about the cloud of witnesses. And I believe those are people that have gone on before us. And I think the cloud of witnesses also could be the people that surround us, our community, Carrollton, Dallas. And in a sense, the eyes of the world are on Dallas right now. How will we be? What will we do? How will we respond? And I know this will surprise you, but I think prayer is utmost in this. And I think it's important to pray for those that have plans of anarchy, that those plans would be broken apart. I don't know how you pray. I don't know how you, take, how you deal with stuff like that. But I just feel like when people are trying to just totally disrupt society... I think, I think we have to pray that God would protect us, but I also think we have to pray that things that are evil would be bound, would not, would not come to fruition. Hebrews 12.12 12 is a passage that, that follows the very significant passage about the cloud of witnesses, and then you run your race. You run the race. And so this church has been faithful in running their race. And we continue. You know, we've got more ahead of us. And that's a blessing. It's a blessing. Hebrews 12, 12, and 13, and I'm going to paraphrase, and this is how I memorized it as a teenager, but it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand strong on shaking legs and mark out a straight, smooth path for your feet so that those that follow you won't fall and hurt themselves, but they'll become strong. Now, I don't know how your hands are today. And not trying to say everybody has weak hands, but sometimes that can also mean a point of discouragement. And sometimes looking at world events and stuff, you know, I don't know how that is for y'all, but sometimes that's a bit overwhelming. And yet, we stand with what is right. We stand for the good. We stand for society. We stand for justice. We stand. Sarah shared about how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we look to that. 
as a church as, as things are changing about us and things are not as we thought they would be necessarily. How grateful I am for strong clergy and strong laity working side by side, striving to hear the Lord's voice moving on, that we move on. To stay stagnant just means decline. So we have a lot to do. And what a blessing, what a privilege to do it, to be a part of that. On Facebook, um, the woman who is the head of Tyler Street Christian Academy, Karen Egger, posted something that one of her former students had posted. And this woman is very involved in ministry and um, a black woman. The, Tyler Street, all, all races are there, everyone uh, every group is represented there at that school, an amazing school. And one of the woman, women posted um, the song, This Is My Father's World. And I'd like for us to sing that today. It's not the closing song, and I told David that I would be faster than I have been. But I think David and Mandy are coming, and we'd like for you to sing with us. And I just think it's very fitting of who's in charge and where we stand and how we respond. And then I'll, I'll have a very brief word at the end.